Welcome to Gin and Topic. I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And we don't know anything about anything, really, but we do like to drink gin. That's true. So we decided each week we would drink gin with an expert on something, and hopefully they can teach us something. Awesome. Lovely. Starcher. Agreed. So this week's guest is Giacomo Gattoni. Good name. I know. Brilliant How name. cool. And um, he's a PhD, PhD student from Cambridge University in the Department of Zoology. Ooh, mm. animals and stuff. Animals and stuff. Good. Um, and his specialism is in the evolution of the nervous system. Nervous system is like your nerves in your body yeah so i had to google because i was like i don't actually know what a nervous system is i had one class of biology in like year nine which i should remember but i i don't really no i know his bit is the brain right so he's gonna tell me why i'm fucked up no no because his bit is why have you got a brain in order to be fucked up Oh, ah, where has the brain come from? It's like the chicken or the egg. Yeah, exactly. Which came first? <laughs> so never, this is going to give me like a little bit of an existential breakdown. I feel like because it's like you've just—I've just got a brain. My brain is just there. It is there. It does its thing. I don't really want to think about it because I find the brain a bit weird because it's like this squishy thing. Anyway, and and that's the other thing that he uh, he looks at is. Not just where's it come from, but like, how do we know how it's evolved? Because people like to cut them up. Um, but, but how can you cut up something that's been dead for millions of years? There's no brain because it, it's like dead. It, well, no, it's gone, hasn't it? You've got a skull, but everything else. Well, yeah, your brain rots. I never yeah. thought about that. Oh, I don't want to think about Little that. things in there eating the brain. Oh, my God, oh, God stop, God. stop. Do you want another biscuit? <laughs> no, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> oh. So he is going to talk to us about... So wait, oh wait, what is our question of the week, Sarah? So, well, we've got a little melty part question oh. because they are linked. Oh, okay. But the question is, where did the brain come from? Mm-hmm. And how do we know? The other really important thing is... Gin. The gin. Gin. The gin that we're going to drink. It is called elephant gin. It's got a lovely bottle. I, I like Actually, elephants, I've got to say. They're my favourite. Just to completely mess with your head, where does elephant gin come from? It has rare botanicals from Africa in right. it. Right, cool. Yeah? Yeah. So where's it made? Not Africa. No. Where's it made? Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so, which has no <laughs> elephants and is not in Africa. <laughs> I know that much. So they've got these rare botanicals. But they're doing it all sustainably. Oh, that's nice. Sarah's big on the sustainability. <laughs> and they've won awards. They've won awards for taste, but also they've won awards for the sustainability of production. Um, so everything is picked by hand well, that's and cool. small batches and all the rest of it. Oh, I like it. And they put some of their proceeds into the elephant conservation. Oh, they do. That's good. In it, they actually say this is why we give fifteen percent of all proceeds to foundations fighting the illegal ivory trade. See, fifteen percent is quite a lot. That's, that's good. Yeah, I want to like this gin now. I because do because I feel like if I don't, I'm I really, really, really want to like it. Cheers, launcher. <laughs> So um, 
I was saying to Anya about choosing, uh, well, choosing the gin for this podcast, for the elephant gin, and it being your recommendation, because I'd never heard of elephant gin before. Um, And you were saying you came across it in the bar at college? Yes, yeah. So I'm, well, I study in Cambridge, and uh, I'm doing the PhD there, and I'm in church college. And basically, yeah, the college bar is student-run, and so during the first year, I, I was bartending there with, you know, some friends, etc. And um, and then actually uh, a friend of mine continued in the second year and he became bar treasurer. And so he managed to sort of get, you know, enough money because the, the bar was selling well to get also nicer bottles of gin or whiskey. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think among these, there, I'm, I'm quite positive we had this elephant gene but I think it's quite cool I don't know the, the red one this blue one is is very sweet and I quite like sweet gene so if it's not too too dry yeah. too juniper yeah. I don't know what the, the exact term in English would be but uh, but yeah. uh, I, I, I did like it and I think this is quite yeah. uh, we think this one has got quite um a bit of a spice to it the mm. aftertaste is mm. sort of gingery yes yes and quite sort of woody as mm. well but it's gin and that's the main thing and i like it <laughs> no, exactly. and it is it's really tasty but yeah no i find it you're right there is at the end something ginger and i'm quite sure there is ginger among the the ingredients mm. along with yeah. again all these sort of african um um seeds and uh, botanicals right i like all of its ethical sustainability and the awards that they've got and the money they put into elephants that's right up my yeah, yeah, it's classic Sarah. <laughs> yeah. so um from elephants to, to our question of the week to the question of the week <laughs> yeah so anya and i have been talking mm-hmm. about what do we know about brains not much is the answer <laughs> not much <laughs> and um apart from weird squishy horrid things that we don't like to think about they're inside our mm-hmm. heads um and yes. some random facts that well not even facts we, that we things that we think out. we may know that we're not sure actually things <laughs> um so you know i seem to recall something about the possibility of um when we started cooking our food and that helping with the change of our brain i don't know don't look at me and we talked about possible different sizes of brains being important or not important and that's literally it <laughs> well the, the first thing well both things but the first thing is quite an interesting one it's a bit um more like recent brain evolution right whereas I think my the, the things that I study for my for my research are a bit more you know like really really the origin of brains but the but then of course it's it's a sort, sort of a whole of a, a a path that goes from there to the actual evolution of our own brain so after we discovered how to use fire um together with all sorts of other stuff because we were becoming smarter and smarter the this created us uh, the sort of positive feedback right in the sense that we were becoming smarter so we were becoming better at getting food and you know cooking it removing the parasites and or or the the, the, the germs from the food and the, and so getting better food and that meant that we had you know especially mothers had more energy to actually you know continue carrying the baby for longer and for the baby to have more nutrients and develop a, a larger 
uh, head and the larger brain inside it. So that is true. Oh, that, 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 he, that is, he knew what you were on about. That was pretty close. Well done. Yeah. That was smart. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love as well is that that is recent evolution. Now, yeah. for me, I'm like, that's like that's a ages long ago. time ago. <laughs> So you're saying that that's recent evolution, which means that you're going way, 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 way back. Yeah, so it, well, I'm interested in general in evolution of nervous systems, right? So of different animals. So my, my main thing, my main interest, let's say, is on how um, nervous systems evolved in different animals' ancestors, right? So you know that all animals are related to each other, but all different animals have quite different nervous systems, you know, the organization of the of the neurons and how you know, some have brains, some don't have brains, they're simpler, you know, nerve nets. And, and wait, so wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I've got two things. First of all, some things don't have brains. What? Secondly, I'm like a really dumb child. What exactly is the nervous system? So we, we, had, to, we oh, yeah. had to even Google I, yeah. what is the nervous system. Yeah, so the nervous system is a series of tissues and, and cells in our body, you know, mostly neurons, which are the, the cell type of the nervous system. And these, these cells are able to sense what is happening around the body, so sensing the information from the environment. So I did that. <laughs> yes. So she would have receptors or neurons in the skin that they would transmit the information of what was happening in the environment. So touching. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so, okay. so for, for listeners that can't actually see, that <laughs> yes, was a sorry. touch. I touched touch Sarah's to nose. nose. <laughs> <laughs> and then the information is sort of sent with through these neurons, right? So the information that something has touched your nose is, is sent to the brain, which is also part of the nervous system, right? It's the, the, the main part of the central nervous system. So the central, because it basically connects all different types of information so the touch but of course Sarah also saw you saw you you know like yeah, touching yeah. Her, uh, her nose and so she has visual information that is processed together with the with the touch and uh, you know and all the others and then the nervous system generates um, um, a response or a command from the body so like if you touch something hot you move back automatically because it hurts Yes, in that case, actually, when it when it's so hot that it burns, this is what it calls, you know, like a reflex. Because sometimes it doesn't it doesn't even go to the brain, right? In the case of some pain, or you know, when the doctor sort of hit your your knee with the with the with a little hammer and the and the and the, the like, reflex, up. Yeah. Then no, the reflex, yeah. and that means that the information still arrives in the brain, but the the action. Is, is sort of immediate. It goes from the leg where you got hit, you know, the neurons there receive the information. It doesn't even arrive in the brain. It remains like in, it, it contacts another neuron directly. They yeah. could then contacts the muscles and make them kick. And that is because, you know, for pain, you need to act quickly because mm -hmm. if you have to wait for the information to go on the brain and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, being processed and then sent back to the hand on the hot, uh, you know, stove, that's going to take too long. And so your, your hand is going to be damaged. So, uh, so it just does like a, a quick sort yeah. of bypass a of everything. Yeah. A little yeah, skip. Exactly. 
Yeah. And then the information, though, does arrive to the brain at some point. <laughs> By the way, you, you just did that because <laughs> you may have exactly. noticed your hand hurt and it moved quickly away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like a little file note. <laughs> yes. And, um, and the thing is that uh, this is a characteristic of most animals, right? So most animals have neurons, they have nervous systems. Only a few of them don't, like sponges are basically the only group, main group of animals that don't have nervous system. Which I find really bizarre. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, what animal? What animal? What animal? A sponge. The sponges. Not the, you know, the... I love her face. She's like, no, what? wait, wait, wait. A sponge is in the bathroom. Yeah, no. Why is a sponge an I animal? Mean, Do I have sponge... an animal in my bathroom? Is an animal called a sponge? Yeah, yeah. The sponge in the bathroom is, of course, synthetic now. But originally, sponges were used in some cases uh, as, like, the animal uh, sort of. And not all. Uh, we'll have to just say not all sponges in your bathroom are dead animals. No, because some of them are. Wait. Are, are pretend sponges right. they're not real sponges there's an animal called a sponge yes yes and they don't have brains no they don't have neurons at all so the, because they they stay at they're marine animals right and they stay attached to the, to the to a rock in the bottom of the sea and they are very simple and they they don't they don't have nervous system see i know i know something about sponges and you can tell me if this is true but i heard that you can take two different sponges, you can cut them up completely, put them in a bowl all mixed up, and they will merge back into oh. themselves. So they won't oh. even create the one, they just merge back into being themselves again. And is we, that true? Yes, it oh. is true. <laughs> you're, you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so do we used to use the sponge the animal to clean ourselves, which is why we now have sponges? I think, yeah. yeah, I'm quite yeah. sure that's... And uh, you can still buy, you can still buy natural yeah, yeah, sponges, yeah. but nobody just animals. it's just a dead animal. I didn't know there was an yeah. animal. Are they in Nemo? I don't think sponges I are in Nemo. Yes, I mean, I, they're not, I don't think they're alive in Nemo. They're probably on the background, you know. I'm going to have to Google yeah. what a sponge animal looks like, because I've got... I'm, I'm, so, it, it, it's, it's a very strange one, but this is actually one of the... Oh, my God! Sorry, I just Googled yeah. what they look like. They're yes. all holy and yes. lots of different types of sponges. Wow. Because they filter the water, right? The water yeah. goes inside and they have a, a cavity inside. But it's interesting oh, cool. because you think about things like sponges, a bit more like a plant. Yes, than, yes. Than, than an animal. That's because of their lifestyle also, right? In the sense that they stay still in the in the in the water. They're very they have this sort of again um Yes, somehow plant-like, uh, but they are they are animals. So how do we know that they're an animal? One thing that you can go is look at and see at the single cells, right? So as you say, you when they cut all the different cells, they 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 manage. So you can go with microscopes and look at the single cells, and the cells look nothing like plant cells. Oh, so for okay. any and look everything like animal cells. So the plant cells, for example, have the the they are green usually because they have the chloroplast the one that do the photosynthesis right they get the the the, the, um, the sun and the sunlight and transform it into into use it basically for as energy for the body and this is a plant thing whereas animals don't 
Another thing is that the plant cell has what is called a cell wall, so it has an additional layer at, around, whereas the animal cells don't, and the sponges don't. We learn about that. I remember learning about that. Yeah, they've got like um, the wall things. Anyway, I'm not going to try. Yeah, like a case. Let's say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a case around it. And but of course, you know, the the key thing that you can do, as the scientists do, to understand the relationship with it, between animals and, you know, also what is an animal and what is not, is to look at the DNA, right? So all living cells have DNA, right? That contains the information to build the, the body of the animal or of the plant or of the bacterium. And um, actually DNA is one of the key evidence for evolution because all, all life is based on DNA. So all life uses DNA as an information basically that is passed on generation after generation and, and that contains everything that is, there is to know to build that particular body. And you know that DNA changes, right? So yeah. because we, we are different and, you know, and we are different from a sponge. Because <laughs> our... Well, it depends. It depends yeah. what day. <laughs> Some days we're not different from a sponge. <laughs> For example, if you're having too much gene. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, so we are different from the sponge because our DNA is different, right? So the information that we have in the DNA is different. And I've got none of your information because I have none of your I DNA. I know, yeah. you're not my child. Not, I've got nothing to do with her. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> so it's not identical, of course, but all humans share 99 point something of so their I DNA. So I do right? have some so, of your DNA. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but of course, not exactly, exactly mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the same. Whereas with the sponge, we share less DNA. And this is the key point, right? So if you, we can reconstruct the relationship between animals by comparing the DNA. So the, the, if the DNA is more similar, the sequence of the DNA, you know, the, the, the DNA is made of a lot of little, um, like, building blocks, let's say. But the sequence of these is different mm-hmm. in different animals, right? And so, again, if we compare a human and a chimpanzee, the, the, the sequence of the DNA is much more similar than we could compare a human and a sponge. So our brains must have changed an awful lot. All vertebrates, so all animals with a backbone, basically, with a spine. So mm-hmm. this means fish, frogs, reptiles, birds, and, and mammals, right? Uh, their brain, they, they are very different. So if we compare a salmon with a, with a pheasant and with us, <laughs> the shape of our body is quite is quite different, um, and their brain is also is also different. But they, it's all made of the same areas. So even if you look at species that look quite different of ver- mm-hmm. of vertebrates, here we're talking, um, the 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 parts of the brain are are similar. Let's say the key thing is that if you go and look at the embryo of a salmon or the embryo of a pheasant or the embryo of a human and you look at how the brain develops, it develops into the same parts. But then the same parts develop a bit differently later in development. Mm -hmm. And so we get to the different brains. And in humans, what happened in in monkeys and then in apes more and more to humans was that the brain became, became bigger but right. specifically, the 
what is called the brain cortex became bigger. So the one that you see when you look at, a, a, again, a squishy brain, as you were <laughs> describing it before, the one that has all these, all the different, uh, all the, the, the um, you know, that is not smooth, or has all, all the, the ridges. Um, and, yeah, yeah. It's rigid. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and what happened in, in, in all mammals a bit, and then, and then in, ape, in monkeys even more, and in apes even more, and in humans even more, was that an increase in the size of this area. And this area is the one that controls the most complex behaviors, like learning, uh, uh, communicating, in our case, talking, of course, mm-hmm. um, planning, in humans, then also imagination, which is... Oh, I like that. That's so you, well, and, and the planning, you're planning... Oh, your I, brain. I love planning. It's really, oh, really? sad. I love lists. <laughs> I love a timetable. I love planning. But I'm also very imaginative. Exactly. So those bits must be really well developed. developed. in me. Yeah. There is. <laughs> so Sarah's got a sieve-like brain. She yeah. can't remember anything. Yeah. So does that yeah. mean that there's a part of her brain that is underdeveloped? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think... <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's <laughs> <laughs> so there are slight differences between in, uh, among individuals, right? In the, mm-hmm. in the proportions of different areas of the brain, but overall, it's quite similar. similar. What we what we try to do <clears throat> when we try to reconstruct the evolution of the brain and trying to reconstruct the evolution of the brain ultimately also means reconstructing how we got our brain, right? So how we obtained all the abilities that we have and all the features of the brain that we have that make and you know this is i think especially interesting in the case of the nervous system because again most of the the qualities that makes us humans let's say are like again imagine the ability to imagine and the mm. complexity of our behavior a lot of those come from uh, the brain right come from mm. the nervous mm-hmm. system and the nervous system and so i think you're sort of reconstructing how this brain evolved it's um it's it's an interesting sort of part of the human curiosity in general uh, of, of you know, how did we get to be uh, human but the thing is that the the what we do of course to do so you have as i was mentioning reconstruct ancestors right so understanding you know the ancestor that we share with uh, with the pheasants what what was its nervous system the ancestor that we share with pheasants wasn't a human and wasn't a pheasant, right? It was a different animal. So what part of evolutionary biology tries to do is to understand um, how the, 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 the brain evolved by looking at how the ancestors of different animals look. I've now got a really batshit image of mm. a pheasant human we're talking about the brain here it's gonna give me nightmares yeah don't think about that to, to sum up i think if you have to imagine the ancestor of a pheasant and a human <laughs> it probably looked like a sort of lizard-like animal but <laughs> i do always to, say i'm a bit like a lizard because i'm yeah. always cold after yeah, yeah. their heat lamps so maybe i'm closer descended to that <laughs> The thing is that we compare modern animals. So we compare the descendants of these ancestors. And the key thing is that, as I was saying before, we are all um, made of DNA, right? And this DNA 
changes during evolution. So ancestors basically have some DNA, and the descendants gradually, the DNA changes, the information on how to build the different bodies changes, and it changes, as we were mentioning, according to natural selection, you know, the, the type of environment that they are in, etc. So what we can say is basically, though, that uh, these two different, two, any animals, again, we said pheasant and humans, share an ancestor. I like pheasant as a comparative animal, I have to say. <laughs> the, the, the new standard for human comparison We've is changed pheasant. everything today. <laughs> I really didn't think when we started this that we would be speaking so much about pheasants. Do you know they're all going to be outside listening? Going, We're famous, guys. Yes, they're exactly. all out there. Finally, we get the recognition we deserve. <laughs> but also, uh, the thing is that these these two animals, humans and, and peasants, derive from a common ancestor. And we can compare the two of them. Essentially, because we, we evolved uh, by changing the DNA and by changing the features of the body, we can compare the features of the body and compare the DNA and see what is in what is different between human and, and, and peasant, but also what is in common. And the thing is that we use what is called a parsimony approach, in which we say, you know, if the easier explanation that requires the least amount of change in the case of parsimony is thought as the most likely, right? So Good. I like uh, the fact that they're like the easier it is, the more likely it is, because that fits me very well. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it is justified by the fact that it's based on DNA, right? So the thing is that if the pheasant and the human and the salmon have the same parts of the brain in the embryo, so there are two uh, two explanations. One is that they independently get the exact same structure in the embryo, right? And so we cannot say anything about it. But of course, then, if we don't look just at salmon, present and humans, but we also look at all the different animals that we've talked about, uh, all different vertebrates, and we see that all of them have the same structure, it's quite unlikely that it evolved independently all these different times. And so we, we say that it must be that the ancestor already possessed this structure, and that this, this, in this case, the, the, the structure of the brain, and of the brain in the embryo and that this was inherited by all the descendants of this particular ancestor. And so this way we can sort of reconstruct. And I've mentioned the embryo so many times in this, in this podcast, because a big part of, the, of, uh, of what we do is to use, compare development, to understand the evolution. So this is a, quite a recent branch of, of evolutionary biology, which is called EvoDevo, which means evolutionary <laughs> developmental biology. Amazing. <laughs> Love the title. Exactly. But Evo Devo is more. And to understand Evo Devo, I recommend actually to go on YouTube. And there is um, um Evo Devo song, which is based on Despacito. So it's the rhythm of Despacito. Oh my God, Alexa, play Despacito. <laughs> but instead of Despacito is... Evo, Devo. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! And they explained surprisingly well all the main topics of Evo. Brilliant, brilliant. Oh my that god. That is what we're doing later. Oh, that I've got, yeah. Give me another gin and I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the Evo Devo basically compares development in different species and see what features are in common, what features are different. By features, I mean, again, both the structure of the brain or, or whatever, mm -hmm. the heart yeah. or, uh, you know, the limbs, or 
goes more in detail and look at DNA, because as I was saying, we all share the DNA and this gradually changes, right? I think it's also a very interesting topic in the sense that it's a fascinating thing mm. how we develop, you know, from a single cell that, that, that forms, you know, when the, 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 during fertilization to a whole entire organism. So this itself, it's such an interesting process. And um, I've done a few, you know, like uh, outreach or teaching things with with high school students and you know the embryos part has always been the one where everyone was the more you know like more, more with more attention in fact I, I now put it a bit you know like midway through the the, the hour of, of lessons so that they they sort of go back to being it's <laughs> because they hear it and their brains immediately go to hold on embryos something we learn about in sex education he's going to talk about sex and teenagers just automatically do that yeah yeah that, that, yeah. that may be true yeah and, but the thing is that one of the questions was, why did we study development particularly, you know? And again, the answer is that if we look, <laughs> I'm going to change anyone now. If we look at a frog <laughs> and... Um, oh, poor pheasant, he's <laughs> been cast aside. If we look at a frog and a kangaroo, uh, the adult bodies are very different, right? However, if we look at the embryos of a frog and a kangaroo, they are very, very, very similar. So much so that, you know, early embryologists, so the early scientists, they were studying embryos, specific development specifically, um, were sort of saying, you know, I cannot distinguish a frog embryo from a, a, a pig embryo. Um, they were exaggerating yeah. a bit, but <laughs> overall, they, they, no, no, but it's true. Like, they are incredibly similar. In early development, the general features of the body are laid down first, right? So first we say what is front and what is back, what is left and what is right. And then we see, you know, what is uh, skin from what is, you know, stomach. And then though you have later in development, all the specializations, right? So Mm. if we talk about the, the, the limb, the limb is one of the big examples that, when you study biology university, when you talk about these things, the limb is the one that is docked as an example. Because again, you have the wing of a, of a bird, of a pheasant. Uh, <laughs> Yay, <laughs> the, the, pheasant. the jumping leg of a frog, the fin of a whale, or the, the, the hand of a human. They are very different. But if you look at the embryo, they all develop from the same, so they're, they're called limb buds. So there's very cute sort of uh, <laughs> buds, again, that, they, yeah. that are in the embryo. And you see that these little spheres that, that, that then sort of grow and only afterwards be, uh, specialize into the different uh, sort of shapes. And so then with the with the brain there, you were saying about the limbs being the first, so then what part of that process is it then developed and how does that differentiate? As I said, the the structure of the brain in the embryo is similar in all the animals, in all vertebrates. Uh, And this actually develops, it's quite interesting, our brain is on the dorsals in our, you know, like the spinal cord that goes inside the, the spine, is, uh, is on the dorsal side of the body, right? It's on the back. Uh, and in all animals, it's on the back. In all vertebrates, I'm sorry, is on the back, whereas in other animals, it's not. And that's also how you understand the evolution of our brain. But um, uh, so what happens is that, yeah, initially, the main, you know, 
divisions of the embryos I was explaining are, are laid out in the, in the cells that are dividing. And then what happens is that in all vertebrates, again, in our embryo, just like a, a, a kangaroo one, um, that on the dorsal side of the embryo, the cells start to move in a particular way. And in particular, they are a sheet, but then they start to fold and to form a tube. And then the tube anteriorly becomes larger, basically, and that will form the brain. There is anterior, right? So it's in the, in the front side of mm, the body. Mm. Whereas on the back side, it remains a tube, and then it will form the spinal cord. And again, this happens exactly in, in, in almost the same way in all the vertebrates. And then, though, the brain specializes later. But what my research sort of wants to um, understand is how this particular way of making nervous systems, which eventually ends up in, in evolution, in, in the appearance of our brain, how it evolved in the first place. Because mm, again, mm. the fly brain, the fly nervous system is completely different. So it has a centralized part. So it has a sort of brain. However, it's positioned differently. The shape is different. The development is different. The, they have a, they don't have a tube. They have a cord. So it's not, it's not, it's not empty. It doesn't have an empty part inside. It's just a, a long um, cord. But that goes on the belly of the animal, not on the back. So it goes mm. sort of on the on the on the ventral side. And and other animals, as I was saying, have very different nervous systems. So the thing that, that I'm interested in is that what how did we get the, the structure and the development of our brain? And so I studied this animal which well, I, I, I encourage you to go and check, even though you, you it's not a majestic animal. I <laughs> <laughs> um, really selling, selling this animal. The, you're the, doing the old PR job. It's, it's not majestic. Uh, it's not even attractive. But it's got character. It does it. It does. It, it does. It's nice it does. animal. It's got character. It's nice. It's called Amphioxus. Um, oh, I um, think I know them. I think I know them. They... I don't, I don't want to say no in case I'm wrong. No, please. But this is the whole point of this podcast. We are wrong most of the time. I'm go go, on. Uh, no, I don't want to. I'm scared. On, no, on, tell on, me on. about them first and then I'll give you a noise to indicate whether I'm right. Let's see, exactly. <laughs> so these are, uh, they, lo they look a bit like fish without fins, basically. So, I think I was right. But they are, but they are this big. They're this big. Eh? So they're, not, uh, they're not large. Um, mm -hmm. And these animals, uh, they are also called lancelet. Lan lancelet, yes. Oh, 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 oh! I might, I might have been thinking the right one. Amphioxus. I was not thinking the right one. I got overexcited. <laughs> I was not. Oh, it was. Not. It was. What were you thinking about? I don't know because now I'm like, well, what, what are, are they looking at? They are. They're kind of. Um, they look like swords. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So the name. Amphioxus means sharp at both ends because oh. both ends uh, sort like of end up are. In the yeah. point. Yeah. Which is why Lancelot is a brilliant nickname for them. Mm, yes. <laughs> and so basically these animals are not vertebrates, right? So they don't have a spine. Yeah. But they are very, very closely, so they are invertebrates. But among all the invertebrates, which are all other animals, basically. Um, <laughs> they're among the most closely related to vertebrates. 
right? So they're not, they're the second closest related. But the first most, the, 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 the one that is closest to vertebrates, unfortunately, went on a sort of weird evolution and it changed a lot. So it became quite different. These are called sea squirts. And uh, they are, <laughs> yes, you can say them. And uh, they are, if you look at the adult, it's completely different. Instead, as I said, the amphioxus still looks sort of fish-like. Oh, oh yeah, they look more plant-like. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, so this is, again, it's going back through um, the ancestors of yes. the pheasants and us and everything. You get to something that's not like a sea squirt, but <laughs> exactly, closer yes. to the, I can't remember its name. Amphioxus. It's a lancelet. Yeah, but I want it to be a lancelot. And now <laughs> I've got him in armour. Well, yeah, exactly, because they're sharp like swords. But it's true. Yeah, I, I should name one of the ones we have in the lab, Lancelot. I mean, Please do! Oh. It's a great idea. I, I never thought of it, and I love it. So I, I'm definitely going to do that. There you go. That's, that's all we need to take away from this podcast, is yes. that I've just named one. And the whole lab is the round table. No, we're getting carried anyway, away. Yeah. We're getting carried away. Yeah, we haven't got long left, Sarah. Come on. That's the thing. The amphioxus instead looks a bit more similar to vertebrate. So it changed less about uh, during evolutionary time. And so what we do is we study it, we study its development, we compare it with the development and the, and the shape of vertebrates. And so this means that we can understand how their ancestors looked like. And their ancestor is particularly important because vertebrates are part of this big, bigger group called the chordates, because vertebrates have the vertebrae, right? And the, uh, the spine, basically, made of vertebrae. But these modified from a structure which is called not a cord, which, was, which you find in amphioxus, of course, and, and, uh, and we find in our embryos, but then it gets substituted by the spine. But mm-hmm. again, when we look at the embryo again, if we, if we compare the, the adult human or whatever other vertebrate with an amphioxus, we would say, well, the adult human doesn't have an autocord, doesn't have this sort of this cord. But if we look at a human embryo, then the human embryo does have it. And so by that, we can understand that, for example, the notocord is a feature that dates back to the ancestor that before, even That's before so vertebrates. <laughs> and the same with the brain, right? So what, what we are doing in the lab is basically looking at the nervous system development of this amphioxus and comparing it with vertebrates. And what we see, we can see that this animal, first of all, already has a dorsal uh, brain, dorsal brain and neural tube. So this means that, again, even before vertebrates, the nervous system was already, the the ancestor of uh, of, of vertebrates and amphioxus was already developing a nervous system in a similar way. And then we go and, and, you know, zoom in on the brain of the, of, and we see, does amphioxus have a brain? Well, sort of. It's very, very, very simple. <laughs> oh, it's so close to me. Oh, oh it's love. <laughs> yes. No. And, uh, but then, but, but it's there. It's there. If you look very hard, it's, it's there. <laughs> but you still see, see that, you know, some of the, of the genes, so the parts of DNA that are making the brain invertebrates, are making this same simple brain, let's say, in amphioxus. And so again, you, you can start to piece back everything together and understand how exactly the, the structure of the brain that then you see more complex in vertebrates, 
but how it, 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 it came into place, right? How, how it evolved basically during evolutionary time. And from that as well, you can then see how it evolved for one species and that whole sort of um, uh, spot the difference. Uh, yes, yes. Brain, you know, but highly, highly complex analysis that you do uh, as spot the difference <laughs> with DNA um, to then see from that point how things have evolved mm-hmm. for the different species with the, with the brain evolution. Yes. Exactly. So you do a sort of um, step by step, right? Which is yeah. uh, again, in a, if we want to understand the evolution of the of the human brain, of course, the step by step move closer to humans, right? Of course, it, humans are not the pinnacle of, of evolution or anything, right? All all animals have the same have had the same evolutionary time, right? In in but of course, for also personal curiosity reasons, we are more interested in how the human brain evolved. But of course, you can make the same exact argument for the evolution, again, of your pheasant brain. <laughs> um, that, uh, but the thing is that you do this step by step. So we have, in this case, again, let's start from the amphioxus. Compare human and all other vertebrates and amphioxus. And you see how it really started to resemble something like a brain. Then you go a step more towards humans and, and vertebrates in general and you compare humans and, and, and birds with fish and you understand what the ancestor looked like and then you go a step forward and you look with fro- the ancestor with frogs and you see how it looked like and again it's sort of a, a, a quite um I forget yes like quite, quite almost a detective thing of piecing <laughs> all the pieces back together until you have the whole story yeah and of mm-hmm. course different labs and different groups research on particular points in this ladder, let's say. Not ladder, ladder is a bad term, but uh, <laughs> in, the, in the evolutionary tree, right? So you, you, you research in different, uh, different nodes of the trees, different branches of the trees, and overall, though, then you, you arrive, hopefully, you arrive at an understanding of how the whole history, mm. in this case, mm. of the brain evolved. And so we come round to that big question of where does our brain come from and how do we know that when we were talking beforehand we were like we have no idea and now I have some fire. idea now I so, kind of have an idea so what I've got I'm going to oh, test okay. it on you <laughs> test it on you now as to go whether on, go what we got so Jump what on. we've got is your great 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 granddaddy Lancelot <laughs> yes. granddaddy Lancelot wow let's put that on a t-shirt that is, uh, that is amazing yeah <laughs> so is is kind of where the pheasant brain and our brain started, started to move away from each other um and that could be that sort of closest idea of what um our ancestral origins I of the brain. I wish everybody could see Sarah's hands, hands when going, she talks okay. and she gets excited to hands move around so much she looks like a Wallace and Gromit character. So then by looking <laughs> So then by look, I'm ignoring you. I'm ignoring you. So then by looking at great great granddaddy Lancelot, mm-hmm. we can look at how that brain started because that's closest to what would have been mm-hmm. that ancestor. And then we can start to follow that detective journey by going to the next step down, the next step down along that or up 
no, not up or down, sideways, sideways. And then we can play spot the difference with the DNA, um, which everyone loves that kind of game, don't we? You know, yeah. look at the two <laughs> different pictures of the DNA and which one can you see? No. Um, <laughs> and then spotting the difference and seeing where, where those brains have changed um, mm-hmm. along the way. Uh, so that you're trying to sort of piece together that detective work mm-hmm. of of how they've evolved and then what bits have evolved for which animals um, and vertebrates mainly for yeah, yeah in this case we've talked about vertebrates again yeah. you can go yeah. back but more of course and I'm, I'm since I'm working a bit more on 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 this podcast, we like the spiny boys. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, so the, the things to, to, to um, keep in mind is though that, of course, our friend Lancelot um, <laughs> is, again, as, is a modern animal, right? Yeah. So he yeah, is yeah. as recent as, as humans. However, the comparison of the two can help us right, understand. And the thing is that in the case of the Lancelot, actually, it's a particularly good model because while the sea squirts, as we were saying before, changed a lot, the Amphioxus changed less than, than average, let's say. So it's, it's even better for that. But regardless of that, the, the key thing is the comparison of like, you know, the, the ancestor that we share with fish was more like a fish than like a human, right? Looked like a modern fish than like a modern human. So it means that humans changed more than, than, than modern fish. However, there are exceptions, right? Like a seahorse is still a fish, but it's quite different, right? But however, if we look at the, sea, uh, the seahorse embryo, then it will be similar to a salmon embryo and to a, to a human embryo. So the key thing is still, regardless of how, they change during evolutionary time because animals change or, or life changes during evolutionary time. But by comparing and especially comparing development, we can really get down to the common things that were there. And then, of course, at the same time, as you were mentioning, understanding what changed, right? Yeah. Because we, we yeah. need to understand what was in common to then understand what changed. And then once we know what changed, like in the case of going back to what we started, with humans, we can also try to understand sort of why, in the sense, what were the environmental conditions that maybe were, you know, led to that change. Like in the example of the, the brain and the positive feedback of, you know, inventing fire and yeah. sort of discovering how to use fire. <laughs> That's a bit more precise. And we didn't invent fire. Fire was there before. <laughs> it was but, that. Uh, <laughs> it was that. We didn't create it. Not yeah, out of thin air. And the other thing that I've learned is that as an embryo, you were a pheasant. My main takeaway is still that there's an animal that's called a sponge and sponges are just things you have in bars. That's the most mind-blowing. Mind <laughs> I mean, so thank you. I've learned a lot today. <laughs> well, no, I'm happy. I'm happy you, I, I hope you sort of enjoyed it. It's so much, so much that we've learned. It's been brilliant and an utter pleasure. And I've loved your gin. It's gorgeous. Um, it's and I've, I've finished it. I'm going to have to have another one. Or another one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much.
say. Thank you. The brain. We had our overarching question of... Oh, a bit, bit more tonic in that bit more tonic. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Of where did the brain come from mm-hmm. and how do we know? Yeah. And as we talked at the beginning, we knew very little. That's very true. Okay. So the question now is, do we know more than the very little that we started with? Oh, definitely. I think we do. Yeah. I mean, I did not know about the sponges. And I now know about the sponges. That's what I know it's not related to our question, but I'm still really shook by it. So you can have something that doesn't have a brain, Mm -hmm. that has a complete nervous system and Mm -hmm. exists. But then the thing, the other thing that, is going to just rattle around in my brain for mm-hmm. ages mm-hmm. and mess with my head is that at an embryonic s- state yeah we're all ha- we're, we're all pretty really much similar. the same yeah i'm the same as the salmon at embryotic yeah. level if you got those embryos mixed up oh <laughs> weirdest IVF clinic ever, ever. <laughs> if it got it mixed up and you ended up giving birth to a salmon mm. or a pheasant oh my god we need to stop with the pheasants <laughs> you look at a pheasant and you mm. look at us mm-hmm. and the closest uh sort of ancestor like thing that exists now is a sword in the sea that is it's yeah it doesn't but it's because we're newbies compared to everything else we're just really really new and we've changed a lot people change Sarah people change. oh they do this so people change this so change but we've changed so much but then that poor little swordfish hasn't changed I've learned too much today it's time for roast chicken I've also learned that being a researcher you need to be good at spot the difference it's very true do you think they play where's Wally just to like <laughs> Sarah, shall I tell them where they can find us? I think you ought to, because you're the young person, so you know where we can be found. It's true. You can find us on Twitter at Topic Gin. And the same on Instagram. Yeah. And that's all wrong, because Facebook's dead in the water, TikTok, neither of us are young enough for. And I forget what other ones there are. We've got a website. We do have a website. We have ginandtopic.com. Photos by Matthew Richer. Yeah. <laughs>